Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Pertaining to the building of the sanctuary, the Torah commands us, V'asu limigdash v'shachanti b'seicham. God tells us, make for me a dwelling place, a holy temple, and I will dwell amongst them. And the Rambam in positive commandment number 20 tells us, pertaining to the laws of the holy temple, that this is the law to make for God a sanctuary. And he says that the sanctuary has many parts. It has a menorah, a table, an altar, etc., etc. And all of this together is called a sanctuary. However, when we look into the Torah itself, pertaining to the instructions of how to make a sanctuary, we find first the order of events of how God commands Moshe, and then later how Moshe commands the Jewish people. So in the portion of Teruma, Tesave, and Kisisa, we find how God commands Moshe, number one, first to make the kalim, to make the vessels. As we said earlier, the ark, the menorah, the shulchan, the tabernacle. And then he commands Moshe Rabbeinu to make the yiriyos, the actual structure of the temple, which starts with the curtains that were on top of the temple as a ceiling. And then the walls of the temple that were kurashim, or pillars. And then in the portion of Kisisa, he goes on to say, there's a prohibition of working on Shabbos. In other words, no matter how important it is to build the structure of the Holy Temple, and even though it's the most holiest place on earth, and even though it's a place where God is going to dwell, still no, you cannot break the Shabbos to build my holy temple. This is the way, the order of events of how God commands Moses. In the Pasha of Vayakhel, the portion of Vayakhel, we find the reverse. Moshe begins to command the Jewish people. What does he say? First and foremost, Shabbos. You should know Shabbos is holy and therefore, you cannot make the holy temple on Shabbos. Number two, you are to build the Mishkan. You are to build the walls of the temple. You are to build the curtains of the temple. And number three, you are to build the Kalim, the vessels of the temple, the menorah, the ark, the shulchan, etc., etc. And the question is, why this discrepancy? Why, when it comes to God's commandment to the Jewish people, do we find over there that God first says to make the vessels, then to make the sanctuary, then the laws of Shabbos? When it comes to Moshe Rabbeinu's commandments to the Jewish people, it's the opposite. First he says Shabbos, and then he says to build the sanctuary, and then he goes on to say to build the actual vessels, the kalim of the temple. So to understand this and appreciate this, I would like to expound on a teaching of the Alter Rebbe in Tereur, on the parasha of Ayakil, where he discusses these three concepts of what is Shabbos, and what is the walls of the temple and the curtains of the temple, and what are the vessels in the holy temple. And by understanding these three concepts, we'll have a better appreciation of why God commanded Moshe one way, and why Moses commanded the Jews another way. What is Shabbos? 
Shabbos is a day that we are told that God gives us a neshama yaseda, an extra soul. Why does that mean we have an extra soul? Do we feel any different on Shabbos? Do we feel that we have an extra soul on Shabbos? So we're told that one of the explanations to having a neshama yaseda on Shabbos means that on Shabbos we have a natural love for God. In other words, throughout the week, a person has to meditate every single day. When he says, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Lekeinu Hashem Echad. Hear, O Israel, God is our Lord, God is one. When you say the word Echad, God is one. Echad is made up of three letters, Aleph, Ches, Dalit. Dalit is four, Ches is eight, and Aleph is one. So the meditation for Echad is God is one is that we meditate on the Dalit, the four corners of the universe. And then we meditate on the Ches, which is the seven heavens and the one world. And we say that all of this is nullified to the Aleph, to the master, the master and the creator of the universe. And by meditating on this, we come to be a hafta, to love God, with all your heart, with your entire soul, with your entire might and your money. But that is through what we call this boininus, through meditation and contemplation. And that is true for six days a week. On Shabbos, we have a neshama yaseda. On Shabbos, we have an extra soul. What does that mean? On Shabbos, this love that a Jew has for God becomes natural. Without the meditation. On the contrary, Shabbos is automatic. Automatically on Shabbos, the Jew loves God and desires God and wants to cleave with God. That is the definition of a neshama yaseda of an additional soul. What is the definition of Torah? The definition of Torah, we are told Torah represents the vessels. Because Torah is something which is internalized. As it says, and King David tells us in the book of Psalms, that your Torah is inside my stomach. In other words, by learning Torah, understanding the meaning of Torah, understanding the logic of the arguments of Torah, one is able to internalize it and understand it in a very deep way, a very meaningful way. And therefore Torah is compared to food. Just like food goes inside the stomach, and food becomes part of one's blood and flesh, the same is true with Torah, that Torah is compared to food. And therefore, when it comes to the Holy Temple, the Torah is compared to the vessels of the Temple. A vessel means it takes the food or the liquid inside. And so too the Torah is something that goes inside. And just to give a few examples of how we see a comparison to Torah and the vessels. First and foremost, we have the the Aaron, which is the Ark. And in the Ark was housed the Luchos, which is the tablets, the Ten Commandments. Furthermore, within the Ark was also the Torah scroll that Moses wrote. So again, we have the concept of Torah connected to the actual vessels. Also, we know that the menorah was made up of seven different branches. We're told that the central branch represents the written law, and the six branches represent the Mishnah, six books of the Mishnah, which are the basis of the oral law and the basis of the entire Talmud. 
And of course, that's also the basis of the halacha, of the legal applications of the Torah. And then you have the shulchan, the tabernacle, you have the lechem apodim, that had the bread. And again, Torah is compared to bread. So we find that the Torah is really connected to the actual vessels, the kalim, in the Holy Temple. What about the mitzvos? Mitzvos are connected to the yudiyos. Mitzvos are connected to the actual curtains or the ceilings of the mishka. In other words, what is a mitzvah? A mitzvah is a commandment, but a mitzvah also means connection. Tzavtzo v'chibur. And there are 613 mitzvahs. There are 613 different ways, 613 paths that a person can connect with God. And every person has a different inclination. Some people like to, to do this mitzvah more than other mitzvahs. And we have many opportunities to connect with God. And then there are seven rabbinic laws, like the laws of Hanukkah and Purim, the laws of Halil, to wash before you eat, the concept of brachis, the lighting of Shabbos candles. And as the Pardis tells us, in the famous Kabbalistic work, that there are really 620 pillars. Tarach Amudei Ur. There are 620 pillars of light that connect this world to the spiritual worlds. Because every time we do a mitzvah, we connect with God. However, even though there are generally 620 different paths, we are told that these 620 paths are actually divided into seven different pillars. As we find in the, in the book of Mishle, in the book of Proverbs, it says over there, Chatzva Amudeha Shiva. She carved out for herself seven pillars, implying that the mitzvahs are primarily divided into seven different categories of mitzvahs. And that is why, when it came to the making of the Yiriyas, when it came to the making of these curtains, which were the ceilings of the tabernacle, there were seven different types of materials that were used for the Yiriyas. Yatecheles, Vagomant, Lashani, Sheish Izim, etc., etc., which were turquoise and purple and red wool and linen and goat hair and ram skin, and then you had Tachash skin. Seven different types of materials representing the seven different pillars of mitzvahs. Now, why is a mitzvah compared to the pillars or the curtains of the temple? Because a mitzvah is a garment. In contrast to Torah, that is food. What's a garment? A garment is something that goes around us, but it doesn't go inside of us. A mitzvah is beyond us. Many mitzvahs are truly beyond our comprehension. Besides the fact that there are mitzvahs that are called chukim, which are statutes, and these are mitzvahs that really have no explanation, like the laws of the red heifer and the laws of purity, etc., etc. Even the mitzvahs that have a ta'am, that have a reason, and have an explanation, even these are limited. Because even beyond all the explanations, there's also details that we don't understand. So a mitzvah is beyond us. 
And when it comes to the fulfillment of the mitzvahs, the Jews already swore and said at Sinai, Na first we will do, and then later I'll understand, because they understood that they truly comprehend the mitzvahs beyond our grasp. So when it comes to, to the Mishkan, God tells us, Make for me a dwelling place and I'll dwell amongst you. And the Rambam writes this to be a mitzvah, mitzvah number 20, implying that it's for all generations. In other words, even today, when we don't have a physical temple, our body and our souls become a temple for God. How do we construct a temple for God by doing Torah mitzvahs? When a Jew studies Torah, and when a Jew fulfills mitzvahs, that is the way we become a mishkan. That is the way we become a tabernacle for God to dwell. However, there are two approaches. There's the approach of the way God teaches Moses. And there's the approach how Moses teaches the Jewish people. Moshe teaches the Jewish people by saying first Shabbos, then the Mishkan, the walls, the structure, and then the vessels. Because Moshe Rabbeinu, as a teacher to the Jewish people, knows and understands that first a Jew has to do Shabbos. What is Shabbos? Shabbos is inspiration. Shabbos is love. First a Jew has to be connected with God. And a Jew has to love God and be inspired by the joy of Shabbos. Shabbos now becomes a catapult. Now that I was inspired, I lit the Shabbos candles Friday afternoon. I had to get filled the fish Friday night. I had a few l'chaims, I sang a few songs, I had some good herring Shabbos morning, some good chalint. Now I'm all psyched up, I'm all on a high, and now for the rest of the week, I jump back into the week, and I do Torah mitzvahs. So Shabbos comes first. Shabbos is the high. Shabbos is the catapult. After I do Shabbos, how do I bring down this high back into the world? I start with the Mishkan. I start with building the walls of the temple. I start with the Yiriyas, the, the actual curtains of the temple. This represents the mitzvahs. We start with the mitzvahs. Because we bring down this inspiration first into the all-encompassing light. And then after mitzvahs, we go into the study of Torah, which are the vessels to bring this light in a very personal and a very, very internalized way. This is one of the reasons why when it comes to uh, the daily prayers, we first put on the talis, and then we put on the tefillin. The talis represents the all-encompassing light, represents the curtains in the Holy Temple, and the tefillin, which have the the strings or the leather straps coming down alludes to the idea of bringing this inspiration into the vessels into a very internalized way. So this is the path of a teacher, of Moses speaking to the Jewish people. However, when God commands Moses, this is from God's perspective. When it comes to God's perspective, it's first the vessels... Then it's the sanctuary, and then it's Shabbos. Why? Because God is infinite. God's light is beyond time and space. God's energy is overwhelming. God cannot create the world with His infinite light, because if He would create the world with the infinite light, 
the world would not be a finite world as it is. So how does God create a finite world that a Jew and an individual should have free choice to choose good over evil and should have doubt and now have to challenge himself and work on himself to become more spiritual? So first God has to make what we call tzimtzum. Tzimtzum means a contraction of light. This is the idea of a keli. That is the idea of a vessel. The vessel is basically something which is limited. It's only this size. It can only hold this amount of water or this amount of food and nothing more. So first God creates this limitation, this contraction of light, which is the keli, the vessels of the holy temple. After that, once the world is established, now that light can spread out and become even greater light. And that becomes the light of the structure, the light of the beams, the pillars, and the lights of the ceiling, which is the yiriyos, the curtains that surround us, implying a greater aura of light, a greater inspiration. After that, God creates Shabbos. What is Shabbos? Shabbos is the day of rest, Menucha. It's a day when a person returns to themselves. Shabbos are the same letters as Tashiv, to return. And so now the light in which God created the world with rebounds and it goes back up to its essence. And that is called the Urchoyzer, the light of tshuva, the light of repentance, the light of return. So these are the two approaches to the building of the temple. There's the God perspective and then there's the man perspective. And they're both correct and therefore they're both in the Torah. Because they're both important. We have to understand where God's coming from. And God has to understand where we're coming from. So, on a very practical level, each one of us can dwell together with God in the Holy Temple. Each one of us can create a Mishkan for God. And that is by the fact that every day when we get up in the morning, we put a few coins in the pushka, we daven a little bit, we study some Torah, and we do mitzvahs. By doing these basic concepts... In essence, what we are performing is the daily construction of the Holy Temple. We become the Betzalel who built the Holy Temple. We become the Moses who instructed how to build the Holy Temple. And then we have this meeting place where man and God are able to communicate and connect one with the other. For a Jew and every human being has to realize that God is concerned for our welfare. God loves us and He wants to speak with us and He wants to communicate with us. But you have to talk to Him. If you don't open the lines of communication, there's not going to be any connection. So for there to be this, this connection and this, and this communication and this romance between God and the Jewish people, it depends on us to do our job of praying and studying Torah and doing mitzvahs. And that is why a number of years ago the Rebbe requested that in every house... There should be a pushka, there should be a charity box. In every home there should be a chumish, which is a Bible, a Torah. And every home should also have a siddur, a prayer book. By doing this, we are creating in our own home a mishkan, a miniature sanctuary. And therefore we bring God into the home, and especially in children's rooms, babies. From the moment that they are born and they are coming home from the hospital, how do we decorate the child's room, how do we create a positive, holy, and peaceful aura in that room? By the fact that we turn that room into a mishkan. By the fact that we turn that room into a sanctuary. How does one do this? By bringing in a pushka, a charity box, 
and bringing in a chumish, a Bible, and by bringing in a Siddur. Because in the Holy Temple you had, number one, the Shulchan, which was the Lechem Haponim, a place where the bread, the showbread was upon, implying food and charity. And then you had on his Beach, you had an altar, implying the idea of prayer, which is the prayer book. And then, of course, you had the, the Aaron, which was the Holy Ark, which housed the, the Luchos and a Sefer Torah, and also the Menorah, as we said earlier, alluding to Torah, er, the light of the Torah. And therefore, by bringing these three items into one's room, one is actually bringing the aura of the Holy Temple into one's house. A story is told that Rav Chaninim ben Doisa was once on his way to the Holy Temple. However, Rav Chaninim ben Doisa was very, very poor. And he sees how the Jews are coming up to the Holy Temple and they're bringing these beautiful fat cows and sheep to bring for sacrifices. And yet, he knows he can't afford to do any of that. So, for some reason, he starts to walk to the outskirts of town, outskirts of Jerusalem, and he sees over there a beautiful big white stone. And he says, you know, this beautiful white stone would look amazing in the Holy Temple. And I would love to, to decorate it. And he began to chisel it and to, and to form it and to decorate it. And after he felt it was totally complete, and, and befitting to enter into the Holy Temple, he looks for people, porters, to help him to transport this beautiful stone to the Holy Temple. He sees a group of five porters. He says, fellows, Hevre, come over here. I need your help. He says, what do you want? He says, I need to transport this big, white, heavy stone to the Holy Temple. He says, sure, for 50, uh, 50 shkolem, we'll do it. 50 shkolem, you out of your mind? I'm a poor man, I don't have 50 shkolem. Will you take five shkolem? He says, no, we're not going to take five shkolem. Goodbye. And they left him. A moment later, he turns around and he sees right next to him five men standing. He goes, guys, uh, would you like to help me? Sure. What do you want to do? We need to move this beautiful, big, white piece of stone. We're going to bring it to the temple. Okay. Um, can I offer you five shkolem? Yeah, we'll take five shkolem. So they said to him, look, we're going we're gonna to schlep this for you to the Holy Temple. However, you have to put one finger onto it. If you agree to put one finger, we're going to pull the whole thing. It's no problem. I'm going to put one finger onto the stone. I'm going to help you move it. And within a very short amount of time, like the blink of an eye, all of a sudden he's standing in the middle of the Holy Temple with this beautiful piece of stone. He couldn't understand what happened because he's about to pay these five porters and they all disappeared. So he goes into the Lishkas Hagazis, which is the place that houses the big court, the Sanhedrin of 71 rabbis, and reports to them the story that just took place. And the rabbis are sitting there, and they're listening to the story, and they said, you know, we have concluded that these five porters could only have been angels that were sent down from God. What's the lesson of the story, my dear friends? The lesson is very simple. When we want to do something big, when we want to contribute to the Holy Temple, when we want to make a change in the world, when we want to do something great, even though perhaps we might be poor in our intellect, we might be poor with our monetary sustenance. However, if we truly want it, and we're willing to put at least one finger to make it happen, God will bless us that we will have another five hands 
that will join in together with us and we will truly be able to build a beautiful synagogue, a beautiful holy temple, a beautiful yeshiva, a beautiful place where God will dwell. And by building these miniature temples, we will inspire God Himself to bring about the building of the holy temple, the main third holy temple, with the coming of Mashiach speedily in our days. Amen. Amen.